Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome to another hour dedicated to a fresh inquiry exploring exactly what enlightenment means and what it is to be enlightened. Indeed, an hour devoted to learning something more about ourselves, an hour designed to help us integrate all of our knowledge and perhaps even challenge some of our ideas about the world we live in and the people we have become. This is an hour for the open-minded, willing to risk their foregone conclusions and perhaps discover an entirely new dimension in their thoughts and being. I'm Eldon Taylor, and this is Provocative Enlightenment. Every week I read some of your letters as our way of respecting the very important role you have in helping us to make this show successful. Last week our guest was Michael Tim, and our subject was the afterlife. Tom wrote, I don't know what to believe about the afterlife, but after listening to your show and all the evidence your guests over the past year or so have provided, I do now believe there is one. That's a big deal for me. Thank you. Well, you're more than welcome, Tom. I do find the subject of great interest to many, including myself. Elaine wrote, another great show. I'm on Michael's blog now trying to figure out how to subscribe. Well, his blog is indeed a terrific resource for some very interesting research. As Michael told us last week, if you want his blog or other info, the best way is just Google Michael Tim, T-Y-M-N. Miranda wrote, I like the idea of a moral specific gravity. Your guest was very helpful in clearing up some mixed ideas I had. Thank you. Jefferson wrote, you have such a variety of guests on your show. How do you keep up with all of the information? It seems that you can discuss most anything fluently. I'm amazed at the breadth of your work and understanding. Keep it up. I find your show a valuable resource as I work along on my own path. Thank you. Well, the only thing I can say to that, Jefferson, is thank you. Sue Ellen wrote, I listen to your radio show on Hay House. I'm a clinical psychologist, and I love the study of the afterlife and all things spiritual. Thanks for the radio show. Andrew wrote, thank you, Eldon. I enjoy your Pillars of Success CDs, your books, and especially your interviews. Your material is very interesting. Jenny wrote, thanks, Eldon, for the wonderful products. I'm doing your Mystical Mind program right now. Anytime I come across someone that has any issue they are struggling with, I always recommend your products. You and Ravinder are wonderful, and I am so grateful that you really do care of your customers. Well, thank you, Jenny. What do you think of that, Rav? I think that's cool. I love it. Well, you get included on that. I think that's probably because you do a whole lot more customer service than I do, huh? Maybe. I like customer service. <laughs> Joanne wrote, I love Intertalk. Now, <clears throat> that's pithy. I love it, Joanne. Andrew, uh, I'm sorry. Andre wrote, thanks for the hospice track. I use it at the hospice in D.C. where I volunteer. I can tell it brings relief to everyone. Michael and Cordula wrote, we are great fans since we have been to two of Eldon Taylor's workshops. We read several of his books and used some of his subliminal and hypnosis products. His work and products are amazing. Thank you for the outstanding products and wonderful service. George wrote, I ran into your site today. I spent a couple of hours reading through your stuff. Very good stuff. When I was done, I noticed I had a big smile on my face, which is rare of me. My mood changed drastically. I felt differently. I felt happy like a totally different person. I'm going to listen to your free MP3s right now. Thank you so much for making these wonderful products that help people and the world. 
Well, thank you, George, for the feedback, and I'll use your letter to remind everyone out there that we have a number of free InterTalk MP3 programs that can be truly helpful, together with a lot of other additional free content on our website. Just uh, go to InterTalk, I-N-N-E-R-T-A-L-K dot com and get your smile and more today. And Carlos wrote a very long and, 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 and informative letter regarding the consciousness needs of our time. He summed it all up this way, quote, we are all being geared up to do what you have made it your business to do on your shows. Learn to ask questions and seek out our own revelations of truth. Too much, it's all good pablum, has been offered for generations to an unsuspecting populace that has contributed to religious and moral ambiguity that can now be interpreted and seen as a literal cancer eating away at our souls here on this earth plane based consciousness. Close quote. Well, you know, I do so agree with you, Carlos, and there is plenty of feel good pablum out there for everyone. But here is the real issue. I'll pose it as a question and answer. Question Would you tell me what you really think? Answer I could do that, but if I did and you did not like what I told you, you would only discard my input and go on until you found the answer that you wanted. The problem for many is that they want the answers given them that are what they want to hear. If you provide that, then you have a faithful follower. If rather than give an answer, you offer another question, well, that's all too often just confusing. So there are many people in the world who think they are awake that are so asleep it's silly. Still point out the dissonance, the inconsistencies, the inherent error of logic, the outright falsities, and even the flagrant manipulations, and you often alienate those you seek to inform. All right, that's all the time we're going to take for letters, but I do invite you to opine by sending your email to Eldon at eldontaylor.com or by joining me on Facebook. You can also just leave comments on my website. I do try to read all of your letters. Obviously, we can't get them all on the air, but they do impact our programming, and thank you for your support. Now to today's show, creating an intentional community. What would a real 21st century utopian community be like? There are a lot of meanings assigned to utopia, but the word simply means good place. Plato wrote about the perfect form of government and thus the perfect society in the Republic. Thomas More, in his book titled Utopia, proposed a blueprint for a nation. And to this day, utopian socialists argue that it is realistic. And further, that More intended it to be so. While scholars generally insist that it functions only on the level of a satire, revealing much about England at the time. Still others have labeled it simply rosy-colored idealism. So what then would a real intentional community look like? Would it bedeck its slaves with gold, thereby discounting the value of gold, as Moore did in his fictional utopia? Slaves. Would there be slaves? Would this society work long and hard as though time was running out? Or would they have lots of leisure time to just frolic and play? What kind of entitlement programs would exist? Would they be scientific? 
Well, there are a lot of other questions that could be raised, but our guest today has firsthand answers, so I'll save them for him. There is just such a conscious community, and it has its own money, constitution, language, and more. I'm, st- I, I, I'm speaking of a community called Demonhor. It is best known for its enormous underground complex of temples that sees thousands of visitors every year. It is an eco-society based on ethical and spiritual values, awarded by an agency of the United Nations as a model for a sustainable future. Founded in 1975, the Federation has about a 1,000 citizens. And today's guest, Mr. Keith Bouchard, not only investigated the community, but he produced a fine film titled The Dreams of Damahor. In his words, Damahor is an inspiring coalition whose ecological, sociological, and humanitarian accomplishments could become a blueprint for humanity's future. It's a great film and a story you'll want to learn more about, so let's get our guest in here. Welcome to Provocative Enlightenment, Mr. Keith Bouchard. Good morning to you. Good to be on the show. First, I watched your film, and when it came to an end, I said to my wife, we have to visit there. I would imagine that that that's not an uncommon response to your movie. So tell us about how you first learned of Damahor, and, and what led you to invest years of your time in learning about the city and telling their story. Well, the short story is I was making another film in Mexico, and someone mentioned had been there, had spent time in Dominor, and mentioned it to me and started to describe it, and it sounded so unbelievable that I just put it on the back burner and thought, this is the place I've got to investigate when I get home. And then I did a little bit of work on the Internet, and um, I saw the images inside their temples, and I thought, well, maybe I should go there and do some uh, photo- take some photographs of the temples and the art. So I contacted them. I went to Europe, and I waited about two months to get permission to go there. Um, uh, it was a very circuitous route uh, to get there in terms of, of permission. Uh, then I was there, and as soon as I landed in Dominor, uh, I came at night. As soon as I had gone to bed, I realized that there was something going on there that was much bigger than the temples. I, you could feel it in the air. And the next day, <clears throat> excuse me, I um, went around and I looked at some of their um, their crafts buildings, and I went to the temples, and I realized that really the temples were the small part of the story. It was the society that they had been able to create and stay autonomous. Um, uh, in first of all, I should tell you it's in northern Italy, um, and the the society is thriving. Uh, uh, one of the things I think allows it to thrive is that it's uh, not dogmatic. It's really open for change. As a matter of fact, change is a necessary part of, of what they're about, and it's in their constitution uh, that they don't want to get complacent. They want to constantly explore new ways of doing things. So that's the short story. Uh, I landed there and only spent a few days and uh, leaving, said I've got to come. I thought to myself, I've got to come back with um, and do some video. And at that point, they asked me if I would consider uh, doing a documentary. And uh, I agreed, and they gave me complete carte blanche on everything, anything. I had permission to go everywhere, and they uh, were very clear they didn't want any editorial control. 
they only um, the only thing that they really inputted here was fact checking on the film, and I asked them to do that, but they didn't want to edit it. They didn't want to guide it in any way, uh, and they gave me permission to uh, go into their archives and and interview anybody that I wanted to interview, and so it was a kind of thing that somebody making a film or writing a book, uh, it's just gold dropped into your lap. It's kind of amazing, right. unknown group of people doing this kind of work. Well, before we get into the story of, of Dominor, uh, let's talk a little bit about your film. You put a first-class team of people together to make the film, and I understand that it's available now on DVD, and, and you sent me a copy that, of course, I reviewed. You can also stream it from Amazon. I found the film to be excellent quality, both in its visual storytelling and in the objective perspective with which you share certain matters. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, please tell us uh, what this filming process was like. Well, originally I was going into it and thinking more along the line of a travelogue type of film. Um, as soon as I did that, I realized it would be a story that's impossible to tell uh, from that standpoint. One, because it's so multifaceted. They're involved in so many different things. Uh, and two, I just didn't think it would be that interesting of a story um, in a sterile, presented in a sterile way. Uh, so my producer kind of decided that it really needed the human element, and um, she convinced me that I was the human element, I was the part. So it's done uh, first person through my eyes, um, and it's basically, I, I hope, appears to be a film that's about questions, uh, because um, I came in questioning everything, and I left questioning most of it. It's a very mysterious uh, place, and, uh, and very, a lot of ether surrounds it. And again, like I said, everything's constantly changing. So it's a very difficult task to film this at any one time. Um, but it's from my point of view, completely. And, uh, and I, I think you did. I think you did an excellent job with that. I did. I did see you asking a lot of questions in, in every place except where you play the guitar, and we'll get to that in a right, minute. Right. <laughs> uh, let, let's let's then go to the city itself. I mean, uh, the people and its history. Uh-huh. There's a historical city known as Damahar. Uh, it was uh, dedicated to the ancient Egyptian god Horus. Is there any correspondence? Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> Uh, Falco, who was the founder of Dominor, whose vision it was originally, had started a um, kind of a metaphysical society in Turin, Italy, and it was called the Horus Society. And he relates very much to the to the myth of Horus. Um, he himself is called Falco. His name is Alberto Araudi, and uh, that's the symbol of Horus. And um, I think that it was just named, uh, uh, I think they named it the, the City of Light, I think is one of the translations of Dom and Hor. Uh, and I think that that's the connection. They don't have a direct connection to the City of Dom and Hor anymore because there's really nothing there. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a city, an ancient city, and now it's mostly dust and dirt. Um, but I think this, the City of Light really says it as to what this, this uh, village is about. It's not really a city. It's made up of two, two areas 
Uh, one is called Demille, which is their uh, center for offices and, and meeting guests, and they have an open temple there. Uh, they have a lot of workshops. And then the other is an area called the Kriya, which is about a oh, five-minute drive. And the Kriya is almost all workshops, um, consulting businesses, that type of thing. And they've developed, um, they're starting to develop a small community there of houses that kind of surround the Korea. Uh, they're all built to very high environmental standards um, using their own architectural team. And it's sandwiched between a town called Castel de Monte uh, and uh, Ivrea in um, Piemonte, Italy. North, if you want to look on the map, you go directly north of Turin, uh, about a half an hour driving, and you'll see Castellamonte. Uh, it's it's very, very rural. It's right on the border of France and Switzerland uh, and the Alps, uh, and it's quite hidden away. And I think this was one of the things that appealed to them originally was this was such a remote area, because they did a lot of their work in secret when they started to develop Domenhor. Yeah, indeed. I mean... It, 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 if I understand the history, the tunnels are many stories deep. Uh, much of the, the the temple work is uh, well underground, and 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 most of it was completed before anyone ever learned that they were building it. And and if and if I understand, that's because of a concern that they wouldn't be able to get building permits. And then there were, I mean, the Catholic Church wanted it destroyed. Have I got that pretty close to yeah, right? Pretty, yeah, pretty much. Um... They built an open temple, and because obviously there were a large number of people in this community, and um, people would drive by and wonder what this, these new people were up to. So they built this open temple. All the while, they were building an underground temple complex farther up the road uh, in a more remote spot. There were even members of Domenhur that didn't know that this temple complex, the underground temple, was being created. They felt they had to keep it absolutely secret. One being this building permit problem. They never would have been able to get a permit to do it. The other, like you said, was the Catholic Church, who um, basically resents anything that's not Catholic um, uh, of this type being created in Italy. Uh, I think there were other reasons. They, they're a, it is a, 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 a mystery school, and they, I think, like to keep information pretty close and uh, not put everything out in the world. I don't think they wanted visitors at that point coming up to see what they were doing. Uh, I think they had a lot of reasons, but um, I think the main one was this building permit. Uh, it would have shut everything down. Now, the community itself is, and we'll get to that, we'll flesh it out, but mm-hmm. uh, scientists, artists, artisans mm-hmm. of all types, Absolutely. and, and, and um, you know, it consists of about a thousand people, and as I read uh, literature available to, uh, you know, to anyone investigating uh, 
uh, Demonor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's open. Other people can join. Uh, I understand they may have to go through about six months of uh, of trial and training or something, but but it is an open community. People can come in and people can leave this community. Absolutely. So, is it a commune? Well, it's communal living um, because they they uh, realize that it's this society like theirs would function best if they could uh, work on developing aspects of communal living. Uh, so it's a commune in that sense. It's a commune in the sense that when people decide to become citizens, they basically put all of their resources uh, into the community. Um, it's a large number of people, like you said, and they live in uh, homes called nucleos, and there's probably about 25 or 30 of these. And they're large houses that they have either built or restored. And in the houses live 30 people, 20 people, depends on the size of the house. And some are related, some are not. All mix of ages, uh, from the youngest to the oldest. And each nucleo has a function in the Dominor society, in the sense that one nucleo might be doing research on cheese-making, their function is cheese. Another might be doing work on uh, new energy sources. Another one might be doing work in publishing aspect. Another one might be uh, a bioagriculture, organic agriculture. They might run the farms. So they not only live together, but they have a united function in the, in the society. Um, so they're contributing to the society in that way. So they're organized like uh, like a team is organized. Yes, very much, very much, and they report to the to the main government of Dominor as to how their research is developing. Okay, now they Dominor has its own money, its own constitution, and and even a new language that they've mm-hmm. created. Do people actually speak and write this language? It's written. It's danced. It's actually written in three different forms, and if you see my film, you'll see some examples of it. Um, it's not really the language that they speak. They mostly speak Italian. I'd say 80% of the, the people uh, at Dominor are Italian, and that's the common language there, although a lot speak English and French. Um, its language is used for sacred purposes, and it's danced. Um, and it's, like I say, uh, there's three different written forms, a numerical form, a glyph form, looks kind of like hieroglyphs, and then a written form using an alphabet. Yeah, that, the, the written form that, I, that you show in the film mm-hmm. uh, actually looks very much like they've mixed a, a numerical system with an ancient hieroglyphic, Egyptian hieroglyphic system in, in yeah. developing the language. But uh, it, I, I found it most most interesting. Uh, we've got about one minute before we go to break. So okay. give everybody the, your website so they can check it out while we're at break. You bet. It's, uh, it's www.dreamsofdomenhor. Uh, and dreams of, all one word, Dominhor, spelled D A M A N. H-U-R, and that's, that's dot great. com. 
All right. You're listening to Provocative Enlightenment on Hay House Radio. We're talking with Mr. Keith Bouchard about the magical city of Daminar. If you're not already in our chat room, now's a great time to join in the conversation. You just got a website that you can visit. And uh, we have a short video for you that explores today's subject. It's actually a trailer to his film. And it's a great film, Dreams of Damahar. A picture is worth a thousand words, so be sure and check it out. Just go to eldentaylor.com forward slash chat. Stay tuned. You won't want to miss what's coming up. We'll be right back after these words. Every day, every moment, we face choices. Yet, how many of those choices are truly our own? Are you ready to step onto the path of discovery? Read Eldon Taylor's New York Times bestseller, Choices and Illusions. Now revised, updated, and expanded. Eldon combines provocative information, scientific research, and his own life's journey into a powerful message that we have the power to change. All we must do is be willing to choose to take the chance and change. Get your copy today from all bookstores. Eldon's international best-selling book, Mind Programming, is a must-read if you wish to live awake in a world of sheeples. Film producer Jeff Warwick had this to say about mind programming. Dr. Eldon Taylor's new book is a must-read. If you've ever questioned your purpose in life or felt bound by a culture that's driven by mass media, you now have at your fingertips the knowledge and tools to break the chains of this cycle. Eldon goes in-depth to illustrate and expose how we've been programmed from birth by social constraints, and he methodically reveals the psychological techniques that advertisers, politicians, corporations, and the media use to control us. He then provides strategies and solutions to free your mind from these tactics and rise to a new level of consciousness. As you read this book, you'll feel the blinders being removed and will truly see the world in an entirely new light. Get your copy today online or at fine bookstores everywhere. Unlock the power of your mind. This is Provocative Enlightenment with Eldon Taylor. Welcome back. If you just joined us, we're discussing the wondrous nature of Damanhor with filmmaker Mr. Keith Boucher. But before we get back to the program, I want to like... Uh, uh, well, let me, let me say that differently. I would like to invite you to join me on Facebook and or to follow me on Twitter. Be sure to also subscribe to my free newsletter when you're at eldentaylor.com, getting your free InterTalk MP3 downloads. I would also like to invite you, I'll get it said correctly this time, to tell at least one other person this week about our radio show. We're working on growing our numbers, and we need your help. So if you enjoy our show, please shout it out. All right, let's get back to the show. Uh, Keith, before we went to break, we were talking about they have their own constitution, their own money, etc. What's in their constitution? I mean, is there a Bill of Rights or something like that? Um, their constitution, it, it's rather long. And the best thing, if you're really interested, is to go to their website, uh, which is Dominor dot org dot net dot com and it um, on the front page it has an option where you can read the constitution in its whole um, it's it's similar to probably any con any uh, constitution it's just the guidelines of how the communities to live together um, and how they re- resolve conflict um, and again I want to stress this that uh, they encourage 
change. Um, and it's in their constitution uh, that they, they have a division of their government. Uh, it's the school of games uh, that that uh, works on new ways of bringing new ways uh, new ways of doing things into the community. Mm-hmm. And I think that's extremely healthy uh, and kind of unique. And you have to remember too that this is the largest community of its type in the world. Uh, there's Finhorn, uh, Oroville, there's the farm, there are a few places, but this is a thousand people and this, they have uh, operated uh, harmoniously and successfully for, well, since the early 70s. This has yeah, been over 30 sense. years. Yeah, because I looked around when I was starting to do the research for this, I looked around the world for what other groups, uh, communities, spiritually based communities or uh, eco-based communities there were and there are very very few um that i could find so this group you know by by being very very smart uh very shrewd um and very democratic have figured out a way to make this work which to me is is an accomplishment Mm -hmm. yeah you you stated that you're not a candidate to join the city because you're too lazy Please explain well, that I was, for me. I was kind of joking, but I know tongue in cheek, but yeah. Huh? Well, I, I know that's a tongue in cheek comment, but but flesh it out. Not completely. They these people seem to get a source of energy from what they're doing. That's something I've never witnessed anywhere. Um, they're all very very driven. Uh, they work long hours. Uh, uh, it's really hard to imagine them even stopping and sleeping. They have no interest in vacations, no interest in taking breaks, no interest in going to the Mediterranean and sipping margaritas, nothing like that. They want to do the work that they're there to do. Uh, they're not frantic about it. They just go about it very methodically. Uh, but it's so their focus is so tight, and they're so determined to do what it is they feel they have to do that this this energy is just amazing and it's honestly it's almost tiring to be around uh if you've been around really high energy people after a while they just kind of wear you down and i'm not that and i don't feel at this point in my life uh i would be ready to commit myself and my family to living at donahor uh i admire what they do i love the people i uh i stand behind them in their uh, ideology and and um, uh, the way they go about living an artful life, but I don't think it's for me. Plus, I'd have to learn Italian, uh, <laughs> and that's you know I, I mean I am Italian. I speak a little bit, but you know to be fluent in Italian would take years. Uh, it's just not for me right now. But right. Well, I can, now, now I don't mean to be glib, but yeah, yeah, but, you know. Do these hardworking people have unions that they belong to? I mean, are they thinking about unionizing? Do they no. have, you know, uh, some kind of entitlement program? You know, uh, if they if they decided to leave, can they take a Social Security benefit with them? I mean, let me tell you where I'm going. Mm-hmm. One of uh, one of my fans. Uh, You know, I announced on the page that for all intent and purposes you were going to be on, we were going to, you know, cover Damahur. And so this person wrote, and they said, I had a big interest in Damahur, 
before for a while until more of the truth came out. Mm-hmm. The people living there have to pay for the land which the organizer of the place holds title to. I assume that means Falco. Mm-hmm. So if they leave, they leave with nothing. He has been sued and has had to pay out big time. Also, they work but are not paid no real wages. So if they leave, there's no savings or pension. Those people are virtually penniless. Reminds me of that old saying, all that glitters is not gold. Mm-hmm. Damahur is beautiful on the surface, but people really need to look beyond the facade. So now I've done my own homework on this. I'm going to give you a chance to answer, and then I may add a few comments. But to that, what would you say, Keith? Well, I think there's an element of truth to that. Um, going into a community like this, you have, it's it's individual's decision. You can be part of Dominor and be involved in Dominor without becoming a citizen. When you become an A citizen, which is you know the top. You basically go all in. Uh, your your money goes into a pool. But uh, whoever wrote this might not be aware of some of the laws to protect people in Italy. One is if you go in and bring in uh, a certain amount of money or a piece of property, by Italian law, you have to get that returned to you when you're leaving uh, this type of... Uh, it's, a, it's a business agreement, really. Uh, so people are protected by Italian law. Okay, so having said that, there have been some cases where people didn't feel they were treated properly. And I know some of these people, and I even think I possibly know who wrote your letter. Um, and I think they have a valid case that they worked a long time uh, and left with very, with very little. But... These are smart people, and they've had years of being at Dominor and seeing how Dominor operates and made the decision. At that time, they felt it was worth it. When they left, uh, they obviously felt differently. Um, now, you know, I, I checked, and uh, I could not find a lawsuit that was actually won by a plaintiff. There were there were a, a number of plaintiffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it files suits. Well, one of the largest I found was for uh, uh, a half a million euros, uh, and it had to do with what you're talking about, somebody that was there from 1983 to 2007 yeah. that felt that they hadn't been paid enough. But the bottom line was the court ruled that they had been paid while they were there. They had they had received fair compensation. Right. Um, and, you know, the, the, the largest claim that I could see that was paid out at all happened to be uh, an instance where uh, the court ordered a severance pay of uh, 11,000 euro. But the court was very right. clear in their decisions. And these are multiple, two different judges uh, that were involved in, mm-hmm. in the court cases that I looked at. The plaintiffs seem to argue that Falco uh, is kind of like a cult leader. Mm-hmm. And uh, as such, he's in charge, he's in control, da-da-da-da-da. And the courts were very clear that he has... He doesn't make those day-to-day decisions. No, he, he is divorced from that. These people do make their own decisions. Yeah. They may become disillusioned at some point for whatever reason, but uh, as you say, they know full well what they're going into when they go into it. There was no, in, in no way, shape, or form had the people of Damahur or the government of Damahur uh, breached their agreement. Now, right. am I representing that correctly? Absolutely, and thank you for doing the research. Um, yes, 
I, I'd say you, you pretty much nailed it. Um, some people have left there feeling disgruntled, and I can certainly understand that. But that's, to me, a really positive sign that people come and people go. Uh, it's a healthy thing. And, of course, there have been a couple people that have left and not felt like they've been dealt with properly. One person in particular had put in a lot of work um, uh, doing a particular job for Domenhor and then wanted uh, intellectual property rights after they left. Well, they were an employee of Domenhor. They weren't entitled. They, they never were entitled to these rights. And she sued about that. Um, that happens it, every day in America. You could be absolutely. working for 3M and sue them tomorrow because you thought you you had some intellectual right that you had right. developed. Uh, as a reason. Anyway, exactly. go on. I'm sorry. Well, no, that's right. And and um, they, Domenhor, you also have to remember that they've been under the gun by the Italian government, by the Catholic Church, really under the microscope. And they are so careful to step uh, gingerly and do things properly, because it would take nothing to shut them down in the sense that uh, the Catholic Church is, has really tried many different tactics uh, for getting them in trouble and uh, are constantly trying to break into their security systems, into their computers. They've been raided a couple times um, based on information that the Church has given authorities, and they found nothing. They've found, you know, not an illegal substance or uh, a banned, uh, you know, a, a pornography or anything. They found zero, and they've been raided by huge uh, uh, state, local, federal police with helicopters. They found absolutely zero. Um, and the lawsuits, like you say, there have been some small ones, and there have been some small payouts. Falco also... Uh, just recently lost a case that had to do with taxes. Uh, he owed some back taxes, and he paid it. Uh, Italians are notorious for playing the tax game kind of, um, well, it's a game for them. You know, they, they almost all participated in it. And they told me a long time ago that, yeah, you know, we do that. We, we um, do everything we can not to pay taxes in Italy. <laughs> Reminds me of that old song, Skip the Rope, you know? I right. mean, you cheat on your taxes, don't be a fool. Right. Uh, you know, live by the golden rule. The spirituality side of cheating on your taxes misses me. But let's, let's <laughs> you know, leave that for the moment. I, I, I want to get into some of the science that yeah. uh, that is going on. But before we do that, I have to ask you this. Now, I, I think I've defended him. I've made that part clear. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, because of my background in criminalistics and law enforcement, mm -hmm. I'm very aware of how cults operate. Yeah. And sometimes cult mentality is group. And it is the group that is much stronger than the individual, and much, much more able to manipulate and ply the individual That's and true. give rise to, you know, I mean, this is not the first community where people give everything away uh, in order to belong to it. So... While you were there, did you get a sense that this this is cultish or this is a religion? Or I mean, a lot of people look at mystery schools and they say it's a cult. Law enforcement right. has a tendency to do that. What's your take on that, Keith? Well, first of all, I guess you have to define what a cult is. And this is the first thing I heard when people uh, that I know uh, realized I was 
going and starting to do research on this is, well, is it a cult? Have they drunk the Kool-Aid? Blah, blah, blah. Right. Well, from what I can tell, a cult is any group of people that have a similar ideology and are trying to accomplish a goal. I mean, you could say that every business, in a sense, is kind of a cult. Every corporation, they're certainly not religious um, at all. And they're not dogmatic. They don't, there isn't a set of rules. Uh, everything's um, ready, everything's ready to be reviewed and uh, decided on in terms of, of, of their, con- basically it comes back to their constitution. Um, so I think what you said is, is profound. You get a group of people together, and there's a peer pressure that exists. Uh, for an individual to stand against that peer pressure is kind of unusual. Uh, it takes a strong person. I think that it's democratic by nature. Um, and so I don't think that individuals, individuals aren't told what to do. They're not even told what to believe. They're, they're there because they have a common goal and a common belief. Falco, like you said, has no um, uh, role in their politics at all. You realize for him to be uh, an effective participant and visionary there, he needed to separate himself from that. So he has. Um, they have a, uh, a king guide, they call it, and that person's elected every six months from the community who kind of oversees where the community's going. But to answer the cult question, um, it really depends on how, what you call a cult. A cult, to me, sounds like a group of people that are up to something nefarious and, and sinister. Um, I've never, ever felt that. I've never felt, um, I never felt like watching my back around these people. They're extremely loving and caring for each other. Um, and I've never caught them in a lie. And to me, that's big, credibility. Yeah. Uh, it's a big one, and I've spent so much time there, and I've tried. I mean, I've really tried to set up situations where uh, it would be easy for them to, if not lie, um, separate the truth a little bit. And I've never found it to happen. And you're absolutely right. You can define cult uh, just exactly as you did, I suppose, uh One of the more impressive cults uh, along the lines of what we're talking about is portrayed well in the novel, Lord of the Flies. Uh, The in-group and the out-group. Okay, let's go to the science. I I was really intrigued by some of the work they do. They don't want to kill cows anymore. Tell us about that. Well, first of all, I'll tell you about the the, uh, issue of the cows. They have a fascinating way of choosing animals there. Now, they are... Very few vegetarians at Dominorum. They're, like I say, basically Italian, and Italians like their meat. Um, but they have a circle of stones in a certain area of Dominorum, of colored stones. And when an animal's, when they're thinking about sacrificing an animal to eat it, they put it in this circle of stones in the center. And depending on which direction the animal walks out of the stones, it's either eaten or allowed to live out its life. And interesting. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. Um, but anyway, is, they, is there an underlying meaning to that? I mean, there is. I mean, it's just I know that they give consciousness to the earth. Sure. So I assume that that the, that 
this is how conscious the animal is. If the animal is conscious, it somehow is aware of the correct direction to walk because maybe it's tapping into the collective unconscious or something. Is that the idea? I think so. I, I okay. Couldn't, I couldn't tell you for sure. That would be my feeling. But uh, but all right, they 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 don't they don't even want to they don't even <laughs> want to place the animal in that situation, and so they have a novel way they're approaching it. What yes. is that? Well, they started this research, I would think about eight, maybe ten years ago, and it has to do with growing meat in a scaffolding, and it's it's not uh, a cloning process. It's more, if you imagine, a culture like yogurt. Right. Now, uh, this is. This is uh, work that now is being done other places as well, but they invested a huge amount of money in laboratory equipment and a lot of time. And as I have gone to Dominar, I've watched this, this uh, develop. The last time I was there, there actually was a clump of meat that you could actually see. And, and so they've broken through now. They've figured out um, some, of the main, they've, some of the main obstacles. Uh, of this process, and they are growing meat. Now, is it going to be a steak? No, but it might be meat protein uh, that can be incorporated into their into their food somehow. Um, and if like if vegetarians works, incorporate uh, soy or something, exactly, sure, uh-huh. exactly, yeah. Um, now that they've done it. Um, a lot of people are coming to Domenhor to see this research. I know the universities in Italy come to Domenhor's laboratories because they can't afford this equipment, this new equipment, um, and they come there to see how Domenhor accomplished this. That's one. Now, Domenhor has a lot of patents in this this area of research as well, right? They do a lot of patents, and that's one of the sources of their money uh, that keeps the community uh, moving along. They have patents in energy. They have patents in uh, the meat cloning, they have patents in, in uh, the intellectual properties of, of plants uh, and, and using them for practical purposes. Um, yeah, they have a, a lot of scientific patents, and it's a big part of their research there. They're, uh, like I was telling you before, it's research, research, research there. Every group of people is assigned research, or I should say assigned is... But, but that also includes spiritual research. Absolutely. So to me, this is this is like the perfect union of of mind and heart. You know, we're not neither side is being dominated. We're we're they're actually you know utilizing a hundred percent of that. Well, that's another subject. Let me just back up here. I we're running short of time. I want to hear about the guitar uh-huh, and the okay. plants playing music. Ah, Tell okay. us about that. Well. Like you said, it's very multifaceted, their research. And uh, one thing that they, they started to do work on quite a while ago, and this was at the kind of the direction of Falco, was how, uh, how much intelligent energy uh, is, are there in plants, and can it be defined, and can it be weighed, can it be worked with? And they started to do research in that, and uh, he developed a machine that he has over 50 patents on. And this machine allows you to connect the machine um, to different things, such as synthesizers. Let me go back. The plant is connected to the machine by two electrodes, the leaf and the root of the plant. 
then the machine uh, can be connected to different things. In the case that you're referring to, it was connected to a synthesizer. And it allows a person to play music with a plant or just allow the plant to play music on its own. I was there once um, listening to the plant play music, and there was a very loud fellow there visiting, I think German fellow, a journalist, and and I heard him inside, and he came out into the deck area, was, and the plant absolutely stopped playing. And I had this on video. And he was out there for probably about five minutes talking and looking at the plant, taking some photographs. And then he went back in, closed the door, and the plant started playing music again. <laughs> and I thought that was fascinating. They, then they collect, connected the plant to different trees. I'm sorry, the machine to different trees. And the music uh-huh. was very different. So I, a couple of times, got to play music with the plants, and the one on the film um, showed that sometimes the plants just don't want to play. They didn't like, they maybe felt intimidated by the lights and the camera and all the people around, because I couldn't get the plant to make it sound for the longest time. Um, but I've had other experiences where the plant played, played along with me beautifully. Um, I think they have moods. Well, the bashful plant eventually did play with you. <laughs> we need it to get. I mean, everybody needs to see this film to see that. But it reminds me of you know, Clean Baxter uh, is famous for using a polygraph uh, mm-hmm. uh, wired to a philodendron, and right. uh, you know the the famous story. You know, the plant can tell on you. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you right. think this plant? Uh, Playing the piano has to do with the same kind of skin conductance. This, this, it uh, does. It, this... it has to do with a, a differential of electrical energy. But what's yeah. interesting is that the plant can make a lot of decisions. It's not on, off, yes, no, black and white. Right. It, 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 Keith, it, I'm sorry. We, uh, we're just out of time. Uh, I, 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 the show ought to be a couple of hours. I could ask you endlessly more questions. Give your website one more quick time, it's, sir. It's uh, www.dreamsofdamenhor, D-A-M-A-N-H-U-R.com. Thank you, sir. Okay, That's a great. Uh, it's a great film. I, I, I suggest everybody look at it, uh, regardless of your take on it, it, it. It's some beautiful, exquisite art. All right, we've come to the end of another hour of provocative enlightenment. I want to thank all of you for tuning in and for joining us, and I hope you'll join us again next week. Until then, remember, believing in yourself always matters. <laughs> <laughs>